Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The baseball game is over. It's time for the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball Postgame Show, presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek, with the franchise, Tim Allen, on 1250 AM, The Fan. It is a final from Baltimore, and the results are not good as the Brewers fall in game one of this three-game set. Are you kidding me? Welcome in, everybody. It's the Gene Wagner Plumbing Postgame Show, presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. There's Sam Schmitz. My name is Tim Allen. And they get shut out again, two zip today. I say again because they were shut out one of the games in Chicago. So that means if you're just taking a little inventory, little frustration for me, not a ton, just a little. They've been shut out two of the four games thus far this year. They're one and three against the Cubs and the Orioles. I mean, just put that in the pipe and just, you know, do what you got to do with that. The Brewers pitchers, the starters have walked 13 men in four games. That's just the starters. The pitching staff as a whole have walked 23 hitters. I think I have an explanation for that. We also have an offense that is, uh, well, really not real relevant at all this year, quite yet, through four games. Want to get your reaction, 414-799-1250 and a strength and weakness, and where the minor frustration might be coming in. So you say you're frustrated, okay. Well, the pitching staff as a whole gave up two runs today. You're going to win nine out of those ten games. You are. But again, it's another two-zip loss. We had a ton of those last year. They would have won well over 100 games. You take away a boatload of those two-zip losses, throw in a couple of two-one losses as well. So we're back at that sort of nonsense Two zip, they get they get shut out today. They have a grand total of six hits. And Craig Council, again, how much do you think lineups impact the outcome? That's all I got to ask. How much do you think the lineups impact the outcome of a baseball game? Because I think it does, and I've always thought it did. And it will continue to affect the outcome of all baseball games. That's what it's all about. You shuffle the lineup for a reason. That means the lineup means something. How do you think Colton Wong feels right now? Hitting seventh, two of the four games. Seventh. Dude was on base at a 335 clip last year and 356 the year before. 
Dude hit 272 last year and hit 265 the year before. What did he do? What did he do to get moved to seventh behind Keston Hira and Tyrone Taylor? You wonder about an offense? What did Rowdy Telez do outside of being born a left-hander? That with a man on in a two-run baseball game, he has one swing potential, and simply because a lefty's out there, Lorenzo Cain gets to bat. How do you think these guys feel? I'm just, one, I'm just wondering out loud on all this stuff. How do you think they feel? Like on a personal level, how do you think Colton Wong feels? When you look at his numbers, the last two seasons for this baseball team, and he gets bumped to seven simply because there's a left-hander on the mound. Why wouldn't you put McCutcheon in the three or four hole and fatten up your lineup a little bit and leave Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon alone, top four every day? Let's go. In my estimation, they do that four consecutive games. They don't average 2.2 runs a game through four games because that's what they're averaging right now, 2.25 runs per game. Two. 414-799-1250. Adrian Hauser, what he did today was just, well, a little bit better than the other three guys, I thought, but it was still sort of, what are you doing with the walks? Here, I got an explanation on the walks. Sam, does this make sense? It appears to me. I haven't uh, looked at uh, StatCast or or any of the uh, sites. The statistical information to break it all down because I'm going to bore people if I start talking about this stuff like that. In a general sense, those of you that have watched all four of these games, followed all four of these games, doesn't it seem to you that early in the count, early in the games, the, the opposing hitters are laying off all breaking stuff because they can't find strikes with it? Burns, Woody, Peralta, and Hauser. And so they're just sitting dead red deeper in counts, deeper into the game, when finally the Brewers pitching staff will figure it out with, with challenging these guys. Okay, challenge them earlier in the game. Challenge them earlier in the count. You've got good stuff here. It's the Cy Young Award winner. And somebody on the, on the show yesterday, Sam, brought up, how much of this do you think is a little bit of Manny Pena? That maybe there's just a little disconnect you know, with this with this new sort of regime in here, was going to be Pedro Severino, and I know that hurt the staff, then why wouldn't you start Omar all four games? Because he's used to all four of these guys. See, again, we're talking about lineups. This lefty-righty thing, I don't know, man. I, I, I just think it's getting out of control a little bit. I really do. I want to get your reaction, your frustration through four games or one and three. Again, may sound like I'm freaking out, I'm certainly not pleased about a one and three start here. And we'll start there. I'm not going to, you know, the, the sky isn't falling quite yet, but there are some indicators here that I'm not liking. 23 walks in four games, 13 out of your starters. That's some crazy stuff. A lineup that, that features uh, your, your leadoff hitter that you finally found. <laughs> that you've been looking for for a few years. You finally found him, and he performs for two consecutive seasons eh, because you pick up McCutcheon, and it's a lefty. We're going to move him down to uh, not two. You wouldn't move him down to two, and then stick a right-hander in there at three, and then bump Yelich to four. 
You wouldn't want to do that. You want to slap him in the face and put him at seventh. I think these guys care about that stuff. I do. How can they not? They're competitors. They want to perform. They get additional at-bats. That's money. That's statistical information. That's money. Uh, A three-hitter gets far more at-bats throughout a season than a seven-hitter does. Sam, your thoughts on anything I just brought up right now? Well, first of all, I think about with the pitchers and lack of being able to throw the off-speed pitches for strikes. I think you're dead on about that because I was watching MLB Network last night, and they were talking about Brandon Woodruff's outing specifically, and they were talking about what you were just talking about. If you can't throw strikes with your off-speed stuff, they're just going to throw – they're just going to sit on the fastball, essentially. They're just going to be salivating at the mouth, waiting for you to just you know, screw up a pitch and all that. So I 100% agree with you because Woodruff clearly couldn't get his off-speed stuff in the strike zone, and that just made his outing even more difficult, the lack of command. And then Hauser's sinker today was just moving way too much. So, yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I think you're dead on about that. And the thing about the lineup, too, is I agree. Like I'd rather – I know we're living in a different age of baseball, but I'd rather have the set lineup every day because, look – even as a little leaguer, man, if I if I was hitting in the same spot every day, I just came in to the game like feeling more confident, already prepared, like what I was gonna have to like expect when I did get to the plate. And I can imagine it's the same thing for hitters too in, in MLB. You know, getting to the ballpark, I know I'm gonna hit leadoff or I know I'm gonna hit cleanup. All right, now let's get to the cage and we'll work on this. It's like I fully believe that there is something to that, Tim. Yeah, yeah. And and additionally, it was the eighth inning in which you had a man on. That's the one-swing tie ball game you're looking for. Who do you think has a better chance to go yard, Rowdy Telez or Lorenzo Cain? Forget about lefty-righty. Forget for, Obviously, Craig Council doesn't. So he cares way too much about that in my estimation. But who do you think that's the bopper you want? That's the Russell Brannion situation that you want. That's what he's there for. That's why you didn't start him. So you could pull him off the bench for those situations for a one-swing barrel to put you back in to a ball game. To put you back in, he would have tied the game with one swing. Yes, it was a lefty. I understand that's, that's a tough, tough nut to crack. Lefty, lefty, they are, they are a little difficult on the difficult side. Just so we're talking about Rowdy, Rowdy Telez in that situation in the eighth inning, Sam, if you could just check his splits on what he did against lefties last year. I don't want to give the the wrong number here, but in 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 my preparation here this off season, it looked to me that he kind of held his own against lefties last year, and now he doesn't even get the opportunity, and he's pinch hit for by. And I'm not knocking Lorenzo Cain. Trust me, he gets pinch hit for by Lorenzo Cain. I mean, that's you know that's 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 part of it. Fatten your lineup. Put Wong back up there. It, uh, against lefties, move Adamus, switch, uh, switch Adamus and, and Wong, and then move Yelich to four and put McCutcheon at three. Problem solved. There's your, there's your front four. Do whatever you want to do, five, six, seven, eight. Hunter Renfro, you want to go Keston Hira, you want to go Tyrone Taylor, you want to go these other guys. Okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm all for that. But I think the front four are set against the lefty-righty splits. I do. So, Tim, Rowdy was actually, batting average-wise, he was better against lefties last year. Rowdy was yeah. 276 against lefties last year, 234 against righties. Okay, I know, so why? But why? Then that, that begs the question. I will say this, versus righties, because he's facing more, <clears throat> you know, more righties, there was nine home runs against rights, and then lefties, he only hit two home runs. So Just two. Right. Yeah, but th- there's a shot there. Right. And, and again, it's it just... I, I, 
I, I will just stress this point. I, I wonder as human beings, as dudes, as guys that are competitors, guys that have worked their whole lives to get to this place, I wonder how they feel internally when this gets punched in the face at them. You know, I, w- I wonder if they're sitting around the bars, uh, you know, in, in the hotels. I wonder if they're on a plane and whispering to each other, looking at, at each other, texting each other, saying, crazy Craig's at it again. Today I, I was feeling good. I was feeling good, and then I had to sit. How do you think Omar feels right now? Tim, How do you think Colton Wong feels? Do you think they even ask him about it? Or do you think they just see the lineup? and they... That's a good question. I'll put it on my list. Right. I'll put it on my list. I, I wonder about that, how much consultation is with the actual players on how they feel. 799-1250. Are we going to Baltimore? We are going to Baltimore. Let's go to Chris. Chris, you're on the postgame show with Tim. What's up, Chris? Yeah, hi there. Uh, that was pretty embarrassing, I got to say. Sitting through that, uh, total offensive impotence. Uh, we have a center fielder who can really make plays, but um, – I, I got to tell you, having been a season ticket holder here for five years, like, uh, not good. Not good at all. No, and you were, you were there. You're a Brewer fan or Baltimore fan? Uh, Brewer fan, absolutely. You are. Uh, you are. Yeah. Okay, so, so <laughs> how, how much of a difference do you – and that's really what we're going to kind of focus on now. We'll stay streamlined a little bit. You can, you can add some other stuff as well. But how much of a difference do you believe a lineup makes? Uh, a lot, you know, Tim, and I felt like we were playing with about 35 to 40% of what we would otherwise be at and uh, didn't really put a serious effort into winning it. And it was really disappointing uh, and really embarrassing for a team that might win 65 to 70 games on the whole. Uh, really not where I would want things to be. Chris, how do you think they'll do this year? Uh, 83 and 79. Wow. Okay. So we've, we've stooped a little bit there. All right, Chris, uh, thanks for the call. Thanks for checking in. Yeah. And, and then the schedule doesn't necessarily help. I mean, no, no excuses, but other guys got to play in the cold too. Um, you know, St. Louis is going to get a feel of what it, what it's like to open up a, a home opener. I, I don't like the Brewers being on a roll. I think the one year they opened up three different parks in their own, in one season, I didn't like that part because it's just, you know, how everybody's jazzed up, including the players. They, they play a little uh, over their skis a little bit, and that's uh, probably what Baltimore did a little bit today. But, again, it was only two zip. That's, this is a game the lineup does make a difference in. In a 7-1 to game, we could probably all agree that eh, if you would have had, had your uh, different lineup in there, Tim, that you wanted, it probably wasn't going to make a big difference. 7-1, to 8-1, they, they just got their, their butts kicked. But in a 2 to nothing game, I do think it will make a difference and would make a difference. Would it have made a difference today? I'm not sure of that. But how much of a difference does it make? I'm not going to tell you exactly 1 through 9 what I would do because, I, I, again, every time I do that, it's just uh, there's a tune-out factor. Uh, mentally for a lot of listeners. They just don't, they get confused. Once I get to about five or six and then I go lefty, righty, and then you go lefty and then you go lefty. uh, You know, you you lose people. So I won't do that to you. But the front four should stay the same. If you want to jazz it up a little bit because there's a lefty on the hill, still use the same four guys. You've got two right-handers and two left-handers. 
I don't think anyone's going to disagree with me that your four best hitters on this team are Wong, Adamas, Yelich, and McCutcheon. Is anyone going to disagree? Is there anybody else I'm missing? Anyone crack that top four? Those are the four guys you want with an A-B in the first inning to affect a game. Those are the guys you want to get the additional at-bats compared to the seven, eight, nine guys over the course of a series, over the course of a season. Those four guys, you've got two lefties and two righties. Just saying, Craig, keep them where they're at and place them where you want. They're all going to get the same amount of at-bats, doing it my way or doing it your way. Oh, boy. Um, Todd, how much of a uh, difference does a lineup make for a baseball team? I love you, boys. Uh, uh, Timmy, uh, yeah, I was the guy that, uh, that brought up the Manny Pena uh, deal. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. You know, and, and um, <laughs> oh, the lineup makes a big deal. But, I, you know, I, I was watching MLB this morning, and I'm kind of going through a bunch of things, and, you know, war and this and that. And I'm kind of the guy that's the uh, – I look at the intangibles, uh, uh, what a, a person brings to the to – the, uh, <laughs> To the game, but at any rate, I you know I'm mumbling, stumbling, but I'm pissed. But at any rate, um, you know, I, I think Manny's a huge loss. He he's a monstrosity loss. But uh, you know, Kenny doesn't know the pitchers, and 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 I went, you know, I was thinking real positive. Oh, BB ninety eight. I thought about it real hard today. I thought about what Manny really brought to that team, and I'm going to give him ten wins. So I'm going to go, really, I'm going to go from 98. I think I'm going to go down to 88. I think he was that much of a leader and, and, and that much of knowing the pitchers. And it's just been, uh, it's been awful. It's been awful across the board. And, 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 and I agree with you with your four score guys. I'm 100% with you on that. But I think Manny, Manny was a big, big loss. And it, it could have been, uh, all right, Todd, thanks for the call. It could have been Manny Pena with regards to consultation with Omar Narvaez. See, pe- people forget, you don't have to start to impact the talent of, of your other catcher because you're the veteran. You're, you're the guy that knows these guys more than anybody. So, yeah, does have an impact. Um, but the, the other, on, on the offensive side, you're averaging 2.2 runs a game. Uh, that's all I know right now. You're averaging, so whatever, whatever you're doing, that would give some credit to the other guys pitching. Of course we do. But we also say that um, this is a pretty talented offense. And to f- dial in the right combination, you screwed it. You start screwing around with it right out of the chute before you even see what you have to adjust. Shove in the lineup for a while. Then you can get a good look. You can get a control format. You can get a control group. Those guys. Let's see how they're handling things. Let's give them the first three or four series on a regular basis. Of course, you know, Omar's not going to catch every day. But let's, let's have something to compare it to. Instead, we were just, we're just going to go with this because this is what we think is going to happen based on what? Based on numbers. My prediction of 94 wins is, is not going to change because of a one and three start. That's not what I'm saying right now. But... I'm frustrated. You're not getting wins against the Cubs and and Baltimore Orioles. 
That's a tough pill to swallow. It really is. 414-799-1250. If if lineups, again, and I've I've said it for 17 years on this show, if lineups don't matter, then why is Yelich always batting third? If lineups don't matter, then why was Prince and Brawny cemented where they were if lineups don't matter? If lineups don't matter, why do these guys get to stay? So they obviously matter far more than Craig Council is ever going to admit. Why? Because we gripe about it. <laughs> That's why. That's exactly why. Nate, let's get you in before the break. 799-1250. Maybe I'm overreacting on the lineup. You, you tell me how much of a difference it makes. Nate, what's on your mind? Uh, Tim, I'm just, I was thinking the same thing you are doing watching this game. This, this lineup that he presents for left-handed pitchers has scored zero runs in the, in the two games that, they, yep. that he presented it. Yep, zero and this team should runs. be hammering lefties. Exactly. Zero runs. I, I love Kiss the Hero. I, 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 want, I, would, I actually picked him um, when I was talking to Romney one day for him to be my MVP this year. But Rowdy Tellez had hit a bomb yesterday. Why are we not adding on to that? You know what I mean? Why are we, why are we taking him out of the lineup the day after? He not and, only didn't start today, he got into pinch hit and then was pulled for a pinch hitter. Exactly. Like, I don't understand. Craig Council is doing way too much with this lineup. He's trying to be too cute with the lineup. And sometimes it's just basically doing the same thing. Sometimes you just maybe, – maybe you just have to keep Wong and Adamus at the top for three games, four games straight. That's – if it's going to produce, then that's what you have to do. This moving everybody around and – Lefty, righty. What happened to when? What happened to the best guys play? And when when you needed the guys on off the on the bench to step up, then you then you put them in for them to step up or give them an occasional day where they could get their bats going and stuff like that. But this oh we're gonna do lefty righty every day um, crap is, is really irritating and it's not helping the team, especially when you got a team that's struggling to produce runs. Yeah. Like you got you 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 got to get you got to get the 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 scoring started before you try to change up the lineup. And you haven't got it started, so never, for, got, never got going. Right, this, this right. doesn't make any sense. No, nope. all right, Nate. Th- thanks for the call, Colton Wong. If you're just tuning in, Colton Wong, uh, two two times so far this year, two of the four games has been hitting behind Keston Hira and Tyrone Taylor. I'm not knocking TT and and Keston. How do you think Colton feels about that? It's because it's a lefty out there. Where was this where was this conceptually last year? Why didn't Colton Wong get moved down in the lineup against lefties last season? What changed? What has changed? I don't know the answer to that question. Okay, Craig Council is going to tell you in his way, he's going to say Well, the reason these guys were successful is because I put them in a position to succeed. Because I look at the numbers. We look at the numbers. That's why they're doing. That's why Rowdy Telez did what he did last year for the crew. That's why Willie Adamas did what he did, because we're putting them in, in the position. If we take them out of the position, then we're going into the unknown. 
Well, the unknown is Colton Wong in the seven spot. That's the unknown. I know that uh, St. Louis did that quite often. Uh, I noticed that over the years. Young in his career. But he was batting leadoff for a while. They'd have him at two. And then all of a sudden for a series, you'd see him at six, seven range. Okay, that's fine. He was a two, three, four-year veteran at the time. Not after he's proven himself as a big leaguer, as he's proven himself in a Brewers uniform, as he's proven himself to his boss, Craig Council, in the leadoff spot. That, I again, Colton Wong's the whooping boy, and Christian Yelich isn't. Soaking in, 1-1,000, 2-1,000. Lineups matter. That's all I'm saying. You want to get in here? 414-799-1250. 2-zip if you're just tuning in. Do you want a game recap at all in this one? I mean, (laughs) is that really necessary in a 2-0 loss? They scrapped out six hits. They're getting their leadoff guy on, though, is a good, good trend. Okay, we'll end the segment here on a positive note. That is a good trend. They had the leadoff man on seven of nine innings in a game in Chicago. They had the leadoff man on five different times in another another game in Chicago, and I believe it was four times today. They're just not tacking on behind that. So there are some good things as well. Brewers one and three after a two-zip shutout loss. You're listening to the Gene Wagner Plumbing Postgame Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street and Oak Creek here on The Fan. Trying to get out of this inning. And Cini, right center. Back Taylor, warning track. Leaps, makes the catch as he bangs into the wall. Tyrone Taylor getting tested in deep right center early. Great play to keep a run off the board in the bottom of the first inning. That's one of two nice catches from Tyrone Taylor in the loss today as heard on Valley Sports Wisconsin, 414-799-1250. Believe me, this is, uh, you know, things uh, times like this is when I will say this is in a weird way kind of fun, okay? <laughs> Just everything, everything we've waited for to get the Brewer season going, it is going, and there, there's some positivity there. 799-1250. Okay, let's get to you guys. Let's go to Patrick and Grafton. Patrick, you're next. Uh, Two-zip loss today. How much d- does a lineup uh, make uh, in terms of a difference uh, day-to-day? It, it matters a lot, Tim. You know, or thanks for taking my call, but it matters a lot. Yeah, they put McCutcheon. I don't know if it's if they have more respect for McCutcheon than Colton Wong, but you put Wong. Didn't Wong prove himself? Didn't he bat way over 300 last year against lefties, at least for part of the year? And McCutcheon, McCutcheon batted 290 against lefties. So then let the guys get on base in front of McCutcheon and have him bat in the cleanup spot. Well, right. And if I mean, you this- consider that, if you consider the four guys I'm talking about, Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, Christian Yelich, Andrew McCutcheon, those four, there's two right-handers, two left-handers. Just flip-flop the one and two and the three and four based on the lefty-righty. That's all you do. Just leave them there. Just flip-flop the one-two, meaning... Adamas goes to lead off, then Wong goes to two. McCutcheon goes to three, and Yelich, oh, oh, gee, I guess you can't, you can't move him. But he would have to go to four. I mean, it's still the same four guys. 
Right. I, Instead, they move Wong biggest, all the way down to seven. Right. My biggest gripe is not having Omar in the game. I don't. I'm yeah, Manny Pena, but he is a backup catcher. Omar's been there for two years. He knows the staff. Omar's another one. Didn't he bat really good last year against lefties? Yeah, he's, he, he, he's an all star and in. hammers lefties. Yes. Yeah, we're four games in, and we've given our I backup catcher Caratini two starts already. With, and one game was postponed. It's not like Omar needs, you know, some days And off. had about um, three hours with the pitching staff instead of three and a half weeks like Omar did. Yeah, exactly. I, I just don't get why Omar's not playing. Um, it's a lefty-righty thing. That's exactly yeah. what it is. That's, a, that's all it is. It's a lefty-righty thing. That's, that's what Craig does. I wonder if they call him Crazy Craig, you know, in, 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 the, in private. Ah, Crazy Craig's at it again. Colton, you're batting seven today? Wow. Crazy Craig at it again. Now, I did I don't know. Colton, Colton saying that he doesn't mind batting down in the lineup. He was used to it from St. Louis. But, I mean, it's just they need some consistency as well. Like, not just council, but the players as well. Need consistency. well all right, so give, give me a quick prediction on how they're going to do this year. Go. Uh, 91 and 71. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Thank, thanks for the call, Patrick. Always uh, appreciate uh, your, uh, your comments here. Let's go to Pete. We'll stay right there in Grafton. Pete, you're next on the postgame show. What's up, Pete? Hey, Tim. How are you doing today? Well, I've been better. It's more important yeah, how you too. are, though. Yeah, well, I think we're about the same. Um, I, I heard you say something about, you know, you, you think this is going to be a potent offense, and I, I just don't I get that. I mean <laughs> – who, 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 who in this lineup is going to be? There's nobody that scares you. I don't. I don't think there's one guy in this lineup that's even capable of hitting 300. And I do agree with you on one thing that you need to start having a consistent lineup. This is ridiculous. This has been going on for a few years now, and these players all come out and say, "Oh yeah, we're fine with this." Well, what are they going to say? I right, mean, right. You, you're not going to go, no, this is ridiculous, because then you're a troublemaker, and and then you're a whiner. But I'm sorry, Colton Wong is the leadoff hitter. Lead, have him as the leadoff hitter. Leave him there. Stop messing with the lineup all the time. I don't care if the first four guys are Wong, Adamas, Yelich, and I, you know what? I don't even know who you're going to have as the cleanup anymore. Well, McCutcheon. I mean, that well, makes sense to me. Yeah, but wouldn't, wouldn't Hunter Renfro be the guy? I mean, he's supposed to be the power guy with the 31 home runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, McCutcheon I mean, had 27, so, I mean, they're, they're right in the same, same area. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But, I mean, the whole Hunter Renfro thing, that, that signing still baffles me to this day. I mean, stop going after guys because they're decent defensive players. Get some actual ball players that can – I don't know, hit the ball. I mean, that's the whole problem with this team. That's why we've lost these games. I mean, other than the nine to nothing game. I mean, we've lost because we have no offense again. Yep. This is going on two years, Tim, of no offense. And that's why we're losing. That's why we've lost in the playoffs two straight years also. Well, and, and again, I talk about that. Okay. Well, we, and we can, and you just did Pete. And I appreciate that. And then this, that's what I enjoy about your calls, Pete. You, you, you don't have a problem disagreeing with me. Uh, so again, well, how are they going to do this year? All told. 
I think we lost him. Okay. Um, here's why I say it's still going to be a good offense. I do. If you look at each one of these guys individually, just for, forget about Crazy Craig's lineup. Forget about all that stuff. Just, just look at each guy, each one as an independent analysis. Does anyone have a problem with Colton Wong's offense? Just overall, just in a general sense. Yeah, we can pick apart. Does he, you know, does he, does he do a little bit better against right-handers? Of course, he's a left-handed hitter. Does he uh, do a little bit better in, in day games versus night games? We can start breaking down all the, all the metrics. But let's just in general, does anyone have a problem with Colton Wong? I don't think so. I think everyone's okay with that. Is he a world beater? Is he going to be, you know, leading the league in? in uh, is he going to be a batting champion? Is he going to lead the league in homers, RBIs? No, of course not. But everyone thinks we all think that Colton Wong's a nice player. Let's move down. Anyone have a problem with Willie Adamas? I don't think so. I mean, he was outstanding last year. Now, I guess the one concern you could have would be that he hasn't done it for three or four or five years. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that, that input. Just in terms of what he is, just on the surface, generally speaking, you got a problem with Willie Adamas? He's been making some loud outs on top of getting the hits this year. Okay, move down to Christian Yelich. On the surface, Christian Yelich, is he going to be what, what he was in 1819? Probably not. Do we expect him to be a little bit better? He's Christian Yelich. Yes, we do. In a general sense. You may disagree, but I, I get it. I, I would say if you were to take a vote, most people will say that Christian Yelich is going to be a good hitter. He's a decent hitter for sure. Is he going to then lead the league in uh, home runs and RBIs, batting average, on-base percentage? Probably not. But is he a decent hitter? If we all... Say he should be in the lineup, of course. Andrew McCutcheon, same thing. Goat, that's why I think. Hunter Renfro, look at his numbers from last year. Outstanding. Just outstanding. You even dropped down a little bit. He's a good hitter. Now, Keston Hero, we can talk about. Tyrone Taylor, we can talk about. Omar Narvaez held his own. He was outstanding. So, again, that's why they... Rowdy Telez, same thing. So again, those are the, that's why I still think this is going to be a decent offense. But as I said in the offseason, leading up to this opening day, the championship season here, it is all about the chemistry of that offense, and it's a weird thing to find your thing. What's your thing? What works for you? What sort of celebratory activities do you have? Running the gauntlet, claws and paws up. All this other stuff that you go through, you, got, you have to d- develop that chemistry and relationship with the lineup. The lineup is a weird thing. But again, it starts with finding out what you have first and then adjusting from there. Instead of, let's see what we've got here and let's roll this lineup out there against lefties, this one against righties, and then go from there. How about just play your best players for now and adjust from there? Subtle adjustments. Don't move Colton Wong from one to seven. Move him from one to two. He was good enough for two years, Craig. You're the same manager. He was good enough to go lefty, righty. It did not matter. He was good enough for two seasons to play every day in the leadoff spot. 
And because McCutcheon's here, who hit two twenties last year as a batting average, because he's here, that discounts what Colton Wong has been doing for two seasons for you. I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's right. I think it's a horrible move. It's a horrible move. Plus, it fattens up your lineup. If you keep McCutcheon three, four, five, how fat is that lineup? I talked about that earlier in the year. Wow, look at this. You're going to have Hunter Renfro and Omar Narvaez as like your seven and eight hitters in this lineup when it's so fat right through the middle of it. McCutcheon and Telez and Renfro. That's what I'm saying. Instead, you're jazzing all this thing up, trying to find lightning in a bottle. I just hope he adjusts back. All right, sorry about that. Uh, we'll get to more calls. 799-1250. Uh, let's see here. Brian? Brian, you're next. What's going on? Hey, Tim. Kind of the, kind of the <clears throat> same, same kind of approach that we saw last year many times. You know, I mean, I think, but I think what's happening this year, I think Craig is, is and he was a very analytics-type manager last year, and, and he, he's really playing the analytical game again. And, and I agree with you. I like to see Wong stay at the top of the lineup, but I like to see him play every day. And I like to see this, if there's any one other guy I like to see play every day. It's Rowdy Telez. I think Rowdy Telez should be your four guy in the lineup every day. And, and the only time he sits is in, if it's a really, real tough lefty or, or something, and you want to, you want to spell him with Keston here or something, go ahead. But I think between Colton Wong, Yelich, and, and, and Telez, and Adamus, I think those those four guys should be mainstays in their lineup every every game. And and I'm not and I'm, I'm one of these guys that thinks you know McCutcheon, 36 years old, he's in the play every day. I'm not so certain you're going to see him play 162 games a season. I think you're going to you're going to have to spell him in the outfield with 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 Taylor and 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 Yelich and Renfro and you know. But I think what's happening is he's just playing an analytical game. And again, this approach that they've had is very similar to what we saw last year. And I'm hoping that after a few games, someone would ask Craig a question in his post-game about that same thing. When do you get away from maybe playing not the analytical game with a few of your guys, some of your big sticks? But and, will they, will and, they ask that especially, question? Especially when they get on a roll. When they get right. on a roll. There's, there's a lot to unpack in you know, this sort of lineup thing, because I, I look at it uh, a couple of different ways. Analytically, you, I think you do incorporate some of those numbers into a lineup. You do, into playing time. The opposition pitcher, what's his splits against the lefty or the righty? What's his head-to-head against that pitcher in his career? How is this particular player done in his last three or four games? Is he on a roll or is he slumping? Has he had a couple of errors and he's kind of losing focus a little bit? Maybe he needs to take it. All of these things play a part in that. But, man, I, it wouldn't surprise me that there, you'll see a lineup under Craig Council that has the first four guys as lefties against a right-hander just because it's a righty versus lefty. Is, are the numbers – thanks for the call. Sam, are the numbers analytically that staggering where just because it's a right-hander, you go with a left-handed heavy lineup – regardless of what any history says, regardless of what the analytics say, just it's a righty against a lefty and that's that. And we're going to go that route. Are they, am I missing these very lopsided unbalanced numbers? Well, Tim, you're probably asking the wrong guy because if you know me, you know, I'd much rather go with your gut than what the numbers say. I don't want to be, you know, what happened with Blake Snell in the world series. Well, the numbers said we probably should have taken him out, but we, 
you know, it probably would have been the right move to just let him keep going in that game. And they end up, it's a pivotal point in the World Series. So I'm probably the wrong guy to ask. But, you know, the thing is, too, with an everyday lineup, if I'm a player, that shows me that you have confidence in me. You have The manager has confidence in me to go out there every day and figure it out, regardless of what the numbers say. It's almost pretty stoic if it, they were to do that in a day and age where everything pretty much is driven by the numbers. So that's just where I feel about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's – it really is a great debate and always has been. There's two things. We're going to hear from Craig Council soon. There's two things I think that are the great debate about baseball. And if you were to poll all the uh, post-game hosts around the country and, and say, what, what are the two topics that you, you talk about most over a you know, collective years and years span? Two things. It's bullpen moves and it's lineups. Those other two things I think get picked up, and I enjoy both of them. I, I really uh, that's kind of that's kind of what I what I'm into. And and uh, again, I got on a roll a little bit last year about this. Don't think that you're not right sometimes. Compared to a Buck Showalter, or a Dave Roberts, or a Craig Council. Don't for a second believe that you can't be right and they can't be wrong because that's 100% true. Now, do, do they know a lot about baseball over you? Of course they do. Over guys like you and I? For sure they do. Hey, they forget more about baseball than, than we know in a, in a lot of respects. But in terms of a bullpen move, in terms of feeling the pulse of a baseball team, I'm telling you right now, you can be right and they can be wrong. It's fair to state, make that statement. And in this case, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just telling you how I would do it. You know, say, Craig Council, you're wrong. I mean, that's not how you approach it. I, I would just do this. I think you're tinkering too much, too early. It's just too early to tinker. Let's see what you've got. Do you really believe that Andrew McCutcheon is going to beat the on-base percentage and the batting average of Colton Wong? Do you truly believe that at this point in both their careers? You look at recent history, you look at health, you look at the game of baseball these days, a lot of factors are included in that question. Do you really believe Andrew McCutcheon's batting average and on-base percentage will outdo Colton Wong. I don't for a second. Colton Wong should be anchored into the leadoff spot. He's the one thing that wasn't broken last two years with this offense. One of the very few things that was not needing any fixing. I'm just saying. All right. 799-1250. The Brewers did lose today. If you're just tuning in, two zip. It's little things like this. In the eighth inning, you're down two zip. You've got one out. You've only got five outs to work with here, Craig. Because there's a lefty on the mound, you've got a man on. You've got Rowdy Telez coming up. There's a lefty on the mound. You need one swing to get back in this game. You need one swing in the eighth inning to get Devin Williams up and Josh Hader up. And Baltimore's not scoring on you. All you need is one run in the next few innings, and you're going to win the ball game. But you've got to get that one swing. I think the gamble was there just to leave Rowdy bat. Instead, it was Lorenzo Cain to pinch hit for Rowdy. And he grounded into an inning-ending double play. And I think that, that took away your shot right there. You want to talk about analytics? 
What was going to happen? How many hits did you need with Lorenzo Cain out there to tie the baseball game? You needed at least two at that point, assuming Lorenzo Cain wasn't going to hit a home run. Not known for his power compared to Rowdy Telez. Now, was he? All right, John, let's get you in here before the break here, and then we'll hear from Craig Council. Yeah, you guys, if you have things to talk about, we'll be on a while here. So stick around, 799-1250. John, you're on the postgame show. What's up, dude? Tim, how you doing today? <laughs> it's more important how you are. I don't count. I'm doing really good. I got a few points. I'm boiling over here. First of all, the two uh, callers from Grafton, I think Pat and uh, Peter, were awesome. I love their passion. And speaking to the individual lineup, if you look at each player, I mean, the hitting is there, but for whatever reason, we're not. But Colton Wong should totally be leading um, leading off. I mean, what does it take? Look at all the years he was with the Cardinals, and he killed us. And the same with McCutcheon. All the times he's been out to the park when – Granted, he's not as an MVP season, but look at all the times that he killed us. Both those guys are gamers. Wong can totally control the strike zone, battle on pitch two, and he sprays singles and doubles to, you know, right uh, center field. That's one thing. The other thing is, is that my gut instinct was like you. I would have kept Tellez in there. I get it. Council wants to go with Kane. He's a veteran. He can protect the plate, and he's good with two strikes. But if that's the case, Take the first pitch. You ground out on the first pitch, and you killed the inning. Take the first damn pitch. And then the other thing I just want to tell you, I'm on a roll here, is one thing that no one's talked about that I really think he grew as a player and he had a lot of big explosive hits just like uh, Rowdy is what about the Urias factor? He, he did a lot of game-changing hits mm-hmm. last year. And let's talk about, you know, if he's missed at all. I think he is. I'll hang yeah. up and listen. Great show, Tim. I think you're right, John. I think you're right. I thought about that today, too. It is Mike Brasso and Jace Peterson. I mean, you know, with Jace, Jace had a you know nice run last year on base, Jace, and I, I get all that. But one of the better younger players at the big league level for this organization is Luis Urias. He really is. You look at the numbers last year. He's on his way. We wanted to see, and we're going to see. He'll be back here a week or 10 days or so. We want to see how he blossoms. 23 homers, 75 RBIs last year, held his own at third. That's uh, maybe he is missed. Uh, maybe. 799-1250. It's the Gene Wagner Plumbing Post Game Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Brewers get shut out today. Two zip. They've been shut out two of the four games thus far this year. They're hitting, no, not great. Uh, they're averaging 2.25 runs per game through the four games. Their pitchers, well, their starters have walked 13 in the four starts. All told, the Brewers pitching staff has walked 23 in the four games. Hmm. Let that settle in. We'll be right back here on The Fan. It's the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball Postgame Show, presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Let's get the scoop from the skipper on today's game on 1250 AM The Fan. You know, the good news is is that Brewers baseball is back. That is a very good thing. The other piece of good news is they're not going to lose three of every four games moving forward. That will not happen. Another piece of good news is they will get on a roll, and a big roll, a few times this year. We're all going to be celebrating, and and we're all going to be saying how good this team is. Isn't that right? Right? 
<laughs> we'll check out some Twitter reaction here to our question. Uh, how much difference does a lineup make for a baseball team? Because that is a, it is a big debate. It's, it's a major debate. So Gene Wagner Plumbing Postgame Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Tim Allen and uh, Sam Schmitz. And uh, Jim in Waukesha wants to get in here before we hear from Counts. Jim, you're on the air. Hi, Tim. I agree completely with you about the crazy lineups, but there's something else I want to talk to you about. That home plate umpire absolutely screwed Hauser on that 3-2 pitch, which he called ball four before the next batter who got that two-run single. Should have been a scoreless game deeper into the ball game, for sure. Absolutely, and I've umpired high school baseball for 25 years, and nine times out of ten, I defend the umpires, but uh, when I would go to umpire clinics. I was always taught to call the close pitches strikes. That mm-hmm. tells the hitters that they better come up swinging, and it improves the pace of the game. Nobody it, wants it, to see ball four after ball four after ball four. No, and then we end up, you know, always having to hear this, and I get it from announcers and everything that uh, you know. Credit the hitter. That's a tough pitch to take. Tough pitch to take. Well, it was a strike. He just took a strike. I mean, Absolutely. why are you crediting the hitter? He just took a strike on the corner. You know, and swing the bat. Ways. It worked both ways for both the Brewers it and did. Baltimore. But I, I could not believe the number of close pitches that he called balls. Jim, what do you think of uh, robo-umps then, you know, moving forward? Because at some point here in the near future, we're probably going to have them at the big league level. I don't know if the technology is good enough. I, I guess so. I guess you won't see more guys getting thrown out for arguing with a robo umpire. That's true. But yeah, uh, that is true. I, I was I was just furious when that guy called that pitch ball. And wouldn't you know it? It seems like it had Jim. It happens all the time when a ump misses a call in a key moment. The next guy always makes him pay. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what happened today, for sure. How do you think they'll do? How do you think they'll do, Jim, this year? Well, if they don't start hitting, they're not going to do very well. And their starting pitchers have got to be thrown straight. They can't. I mean, Woodruff was horrible during the spring, so I wasn't surprised that he was horrible against the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last few games of spring training, those starting pitchers were not uh, pitching very well, except for Burns. Yeah, and I, I think there's a, is a cause and effect of uh, the opposition doing some pretty darn good scouting. I do. I think they scouted out this Brewer squad, and they said, don't let these guys get, get on a roll. If they can't land their off-speed stuff, they're in trouble. Work the pitch count up. Get to the bullpen, number one. But work their pitch count up. Draw your walks. Then let them come in with fastballs, and you can tag them. And that's sort, that's of, right. what, that's sort of what's happened. So That's far right. this they year, get the breaking ball over, and then you sit on a fastball and clobber yep. it. Yep, and that's what's been going on, Jim. Always a pleasure, man. We'll talk again, okay? okay? All right, there he is. All right, seven nine nine twelve fifty. That, but again, the good news is is that we're, we're back. We're going. We're we're running here. We've got just a couple of more games left in Baltimore. Now we have some night action, and I get back to my natural habitat at night here. I think that'll help things out a little bit. Uh, and then we have opening day on Thursday. And did I see, Sam, that tickets were still available for Thursday? 
I can check for you real quick. Yeah, let's let's do a gut check on that because I think there are. And those it's a four fourteen start on four fourteen. That's kind of cool. I, I do like that. Uh back to just just for a second, the uh the robo umps. There was an issue in today's game with the pitch com. And I'm still trying to wrap my brain around the uh, pitch com thing. And I don't want to be too judgmental on someone's intelligence. I don't I don't want to belittle any anybody's intelligence, but I mean, isn't it a isn't it like a big to do about nothing? The sign stealing I understand. The pace of play I understand. But just what I don't get is how you just don't have a more complex, if you will, complex pitch call indicator. And can't you come up with a system that I can tell you, all I know is I can tell you this. You're going to get a bunch of hieroglyphics from my catcher. Ain't nobody going to steal signs from me. These pitchers and catchers are going to be in school to learn everything that I can do so they wouldn't steal signs. So why did they go with this? I'm just curious, number one. Number two, I'm still curious as to how they hear themselves, how they hear the call on the mound. And, and really, this one it makes me smile a little bit. They use the pitch com when there's nobody on base to steal the signs. So we're so worried about maybe someone with binoculars in the bleachers with some hand gestures all the way back to either the hitter or the dugout. There's no one. There's no, it's the start of an inning. You're using a pitch com to keep signs. I don't know what I'm missing here. Am I missing anything, Sam? No, I mean, I, I saw Dan Plesak and the MLB Network crew kind of illustrate how the pitch com thing works. And I, I could see, like Dan Plesak was saying, man, if I was a pitcher in today's game, I'd be, I'd love this. I would be using it. But it's, at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of things that can go wrong with it. If it speeds the game up, okay, I guess I have to be okay with it. Okay, but yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't know. I just it, it feels weird if you're going to use but I'd it. I'd like when to know where the speaker is and what have we heard it yet? Where's the actual thing that they? It's right above like where your ear is. Okay, so it's right it tucked right above your ear in the cap. Pretty much. And it's pretty loud. When I heard the MLB network, when they were showing it, it was fastball, high outside, fastball, low inside. So it's, <laughs> it, got, it got me thinking, like, man, if I'm sitting on second base, like, I could probably almost hear that. The crowd's pretty quiet. Yeah, you're going to play a game in, a, in Miami or something where there's like 8,000 people and, and half of them left already. I mean, think about that, too. I guess you could adjust the volume, I would hope. Man, that's that's tough. So are tickets available for Thursday? I am still seeing tickets available. I'm looking at right now, let me see, terrace level. Terrace box currently for Thursday, $44. Standing room only is $27. I'm looking yeah, at yeah. loge infield box, about 80 So definitely tickets Not still bad. available. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to rock that joint yeah. on this Thursday. Guys, you, you start making your plans now. Get in there and just go crazy. Go crazy. It's a it's a big game on top of it. Yeah, I mean, if Brewers fans don't, Lord knows the Cardinals fans will surely make their way in there. And I know Brewers the, fans don't want that. That's the other thing. Yeah, we, you know, they've been on the road. They've had to open up a couple of different stadiums, and now they get to do their own. So let's go crazy on Thursday. Let's, let's 
have an impact on on that game because that's one thing over the years that I am really, really impressed with Major League Baseball, and that is more and more managers, players, coaches are saying how the fans do have an impact on a game. They do. You do. And and before it was, you know, 15 years ago, they never would admit that. Nah, you hear the fans. Don't. It doesn't really do anything. Now they give us all respect for going crazy. We'll have some fun conversations about uh, what you're doing uh, when you go to a ball game on Thursday. Hopefully we'll get to that on Thursday or Friday when you get a chance to get out there. Right now let's hear from manager Craig Council. He loses another game. The uh, Brewers offense gets shut out today in Baltimore here in game one. It's the Gene Wagner Plumbing Baseball Post Game Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. It's time to find out who's hot and who's not after today's game on 1250 AM, The Fan. You know, another piece of good news is uh, Aaron Ashby's performance today. I don't know if you missed it, three and a third scoreless innings, just a couple of hits, did uh, strike out four, uh, walked a couple of men. But uh, again, who doesn't on this pitching staff here in April? But uh, that was a nice performance out of Aaron Ashby. Really was. And so uh, congratulations to him. He's going to come in handy, too. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be something. He is. He's just got to have some uh, more experience. Let's get Pete in here in Franklin. Pete, you're on the postgame show. What's going on, Pete? Jimmy, good evening. Calling in for some Brewers therapy here. Okay. Just wanted to, to tell you that uh, you're not crazy. I don't know if I missed anything in the last two minutes. I'm heading home from work, but. Uh, guys in the lineup, where they bat, 100% does matter. They can tell you it doesn't. They can tell you all that kind of stuff. Just a different perspective I want to share it with you, and it's not nearly the same level of ball, but I still I manage an old guy's baseball team, and I can tell you when I do the lineup, guys care if they're hitting third or hitting second. I can guarantee you Wong cares if he's hitting first or seventh. It does matter, and guys get kind of – you get some confidence from that, and you kind of – you know, he's the leadoff guy, then let him go. Let him take care of it and uh, let mm-hmm. him lead this team and do his thing. Uh, it yeah. does matter to guys. Pete, I, and I think sometimes, matter. Pete, sometimes we lose a little common sense here. I think in more more ways than just, just sports. Uh, we well, can talk about the political world all day long losing common sense. But right. it, just in terms of sports, common sense would tell you these guys – it has to affect them. They're not going to say anything. I understand that. They're not going to crow to the media. They're not going to spout off or anything like that, cause any trouble. They're going to say, hey, man, just give me the ball. I'll pitch whenever. I can tell you this. I've talked to former Brewer pitchers, Pete, and they have told me when they sit in that bullpen and they believe it's their turn, they do give a little side eye down that bullpen bench to the other guy, and they internally have admitted to me Hey man, why in the oh that it does bother them? That goes to show it's got to bother the hitters as well. Yep, Jimmy, I, I'll tell you the other thing too, and this is something go old school Brewers on you, but it used to drive me absolutely upside down crazy. Bill Garner and making his lefty righty moves, and Higuera had a a game in the eighth inning. He had gone put the first two guys on base. He was down one or two nothing. He went twenty one straight, got into the eighth inning. And because the righty was coming up, he pulled him. And it drove yep. me absolutely crazy, upside down bananas. And yeah. sometimes you got to say to the guys, hey, this is my guy, let's go do this. And uh, 
Sometimes you gotta let the public guy. Council's done a great job. It's four games, not forty, but it'll be fine. Thanks yeah. Yeah, you got it, Pete. It, no, I I think overall he's a good, very good manager. I think he's going to be a great manager. That doesn't mean he's not still getting better. If he's not getting better, something's wrong with him. If my guys aren't getting better in some capacity, something's wrong there. I don't want a guy that doesn't strive to be better. And guys that, I don't know, uh, again, where this pitch com came from, I hope it didn't come from, well, when we get two, three, four levels deep in our signs that sometimes these guys get, get lost. They forget what, what the new indicator is for the new set of signs. They forget this. That's the point I was trying to make. And I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not offending anybody's intelligence. I'm just saying, if, if that is one of the reasons why, that's, that's, uh, that's just... That's just not acceptable to me. I'm sorry. I, I I just think it's about pace of play more than anything. That would be my guess. Um, and I think you guys are going to ultimately like pace of play. It's the it's it's all bending we're going to have to do. It's all some uh, some acceptance that we're going to have to have because it is a business, and when the business doesn't boom, you're going to make changes whether it's got a rich tradition or not. Speaking of rich tradition, did you see what Manfred did? Does this, uh, does this get you any respect for Rob Manfred, uh, Sam? When uh, I just was reading this morning that he gave every major leaguer on opening day in his locker a free set of uh, Bose headphones. Oh, okay. Yeah, I heard a report, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, that he admitted that he has to repair his relationship with the players and the Players Association after the lockout, so... I mean, if I was a player and I see a new pair of headphones in my locker walking in, sponsorship or not, I'm a happy man. So good on <laughs> Rob Manfred, I guess. I mean, you know, I don't know if the idea came from him. Well, you still, know, who it's, knows? It's, the, it's, the, it's the thing that he actually did it. You know what I mean? He could, if somebody whispered in his ear, hey, it'd be a good idea to give the players and, some headphones, and he's like, eh, I don't know. But he actually did it. So, I mean, it's the, it's the thought that counts. Yeah, and and I don't know who paid for them. Did the league pay for them, or did he pay for them? Because he's being paid quite handsomely. Yeah, I would doubt and that he paid for them. As the story goes, Rob Manfred gives Major League players headphones as a lockout peace offering. He gifted all Major League players Bose headphones on opening day as a peace offering after a bitter 99-day lockout that delayed the opening of the season. Major League Baseball, in a letter confirmed with a note and the headphones in each player's locker, it stated, please accept this gift as a small gesture of my appreciation for the hard work that comes with being a major leaguer and your respect for our incredible fans. Thank you for everything you do uh, to our game that has a such, such a rich, rich history and a deep meaning in the U.S. as well as around the world. Wishing you the best of luck for a successful season. That's what the note said with the Bose headphones. Hey, you can downplay this all you want. You can shoot holes through this and say it's ah, it's just nothing. The league paid for it. They got a bunch of money. You know what? Stop that. Because that's how the fight continues. That's kind of cool what they did. It just is. That's... that's they, they, the relationship between the players and, and the uh, league, it's, it's got to start the repair somewhere. That's, a good, that's kind of a good 
cool way to start it. It really is. So I, I hope that no one wants to just downplay that and find the evil in it or find the negativity in it. I, 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 you know, as soon as I read that, I'm like, you know what? That's kind of cool. Sam, who's hot, who's not? Uh, I, can, I can say that the Brewers hitters, <laughs> they've been shut out two of the four games. Right. They've got a grand total of nine runs this year. On the pitching side, this is just off the top of my head. Pitching side, uh, they've got 23 walks collectively. The mm-hmm. starters alone in the four starts have uh, do, 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 13 walks, just the starters. I mean, that's these are pretty gaudy numbers. Right, so let's kind of compare where these numbers rank amongst the other MLB ball clubs this year. I'll start with the hitting, Tim, because uh, one of the pitching stats is going to just drive you crazy. I know how much you hate the certain stat, but let's start with the hitting. Currently the Brewers, four games in, 20th in OPS at a 634 OPS. Their on-base percentage is 17th in the league at 303. Strikeouts as a team, they're seventh in the league currently with 36 total. As you mentioned, they have nine runs on offense this year. That's currently 27th in the league, third to last. And then hits, they're about middle of the pack with 25 hits. They're Uh, getting their hits. They're getting their hits. They're getting their runners on base. But unfortunately, kind of uh, the story for the past couple seasons, they're not driving the runners left on base there. All right, let's go to pitching, Tim. For four games in so far, they are 26th in ERA. And then – Earned runs, they're currently sixth in the league with 19 given up. And then, Tim, the last stat I have for you, and I hate to do this to you, but you talk about how much you hate it. Currently the Brewers four games in, first in the majors in walks with 23. See, I just that's the one. That is the one. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, that's the one, and that needs to be – uh, that needs to be fixed immediately. Start attacking these guys. Start to go on the, uh, the assertive um, and, and go on the attack against these guys early in counts. And, and get, get, then you can screw around with your wiggle. I mean, I'm, again, th- these guys are good. It's one time through the lineup, uh, the rotation, just about one time. And they'll bounce back. You would assume that they'll bounce back in a much better way. Maybe we'll compare the first... Uh, after tomorrow's start, the first five games to the next five games. I think you'll see a difference. I, I do. But it is frustrating to look at where they are now through four games. But they are back. It's the 22 championship season. We're going to hear, speaking of pitching, from Adrian Hauser next. Gene Wagner Plumbing Post Game Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street No Creek right here on The Fan. Let's find out what happened in today's game from the guys that played it. Let's head inside the clubhouse presented by Windows Select. Right now, buy one, get one free. Plus, no payments for an entire year. Call them today at 262-703-3500. Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th Street in Oak Creek. Brewers fall to zip, but the good news, we're off and running. Uh, there's four games in here. Brewers baseball is back. The weather's starting to improve a little bit. So will the Brewers hitters. So will the Brewers hitters. The pitchers won't walk as many guys. Fingers crossed. Yes. Uh, we're four games in. Adrian Hauser pitched today, and, uh, well, he had a little bit of a walk uh, problem as well. But uh, let's hear from Adrian Hauser after the Brewers fall to zip. 
There he is. There he is, uh, Adrian Hauser, after the performance today, and the Brewers do fall. A, a good performance, Aaron Ashby, as uh, we talked about three and a third of scoreless baseball out of the bullpen, and, and they're probably going to need him at some point here uh, shortly. Uh, the next off day is April 21st. I don't know if they want to incorporate a six-man you know, next time through, so about four or five, six days from right now, maybe you do see Ashby get a uh, spot start there. He's, he's, uh, he's been stretched out, so he's, he's ready to go for that. All right, game two of this three-game set, uh, 6.05 is the first pitch, and after the last pitch, you make the switch right here. Gene Wagner Plumbing Post Game Show presented by Jim Dandies on South 27th. Eric Lauer, Sam, gets his first start of the season. Yep, uh, Eric Lauer is going for the Brewers tomorrow. According to MLB.com, we are still waiting for a Baltimore Orioles pitcher to be announced, so nothing on the Baltimore end. Once again, a reminder, guys, Eric Lauer last year for the Brewers, a 3.19 ERA, 7-5 and last year, and had a 1.13 whip for the Brewers. Yeah, he did, he did outstanding work last year for the crew. Hopefully that will continue. Jorge Lopez, the former Brewer, is gassing 98 these days, Sam. Really? I did not realize that. I might want to, and he got the save today. I might want to uh, to throw away my Jorge Lopez batting gloves that I have. Tim, you want me to throw them up on eBay for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, four ninety nine. I think I think that's what they they would want. Eh, then maybe a little bit more than that. Ed Cedar, he's the one that stole them and gave them to me. I'm just saying. Sorry, maybe the statute of limitations have run out on that. Okay, that's going to do it for Sam Schmitz. My name is Tim Allen. You guys have a great night despite the outcome. Thanks for listening. We'll do it again tomorrow, and hopefully there'll be a, well, just a better couple of numbers on that scoreboard. As always, remember, smile, Milwaukee. The world will smile back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.